everybody! Welcome to episode 35 of The Book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And I'm going to start with an apology because I sound like, you know, my voice is a little scratchy or nasally or something. I've, I've had the plague for the, yeah. for the last four <laughs> days. Um, my gentleman caller was sick last week and said, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't see each other. And as one is wont to do with new love, I said, oh, of course we're going to see each other. And... <laughs> Now I'm living to regret it because yes. <laughs> I got the cold three days later. Uh, but um, so uh, anyway, sorry if I cough or hack. Something wicked is going around the country for sure. I was sick between episodes yeah. two and then Laura was sick and it's hard cold to shake. Yeah, it is because uh, I usually can beat them pretty quickly. But mm-hmm. good thing I can't share it with you guys through the uh, the inner wi- waves or inner webs. webs, whatever you say. So I have a quick follow-up from our last episode just with the gift-giving ideas that we had. Um, this is one that, you know, it's by the time you listen to this podcast, people will have given their gifts for mm-hmm. the holiday season. But um, this is one that I'd had on my list and then scratched off because I hadn't had a chance to look at it more closely. And then one of our listeners, Carol, who's a, a fellow Connecticutite, is that how you say it? Connecticutin, whatever. Uh, not megger. Not what I usually go with okay. <laughs> Someone from Connecticut, um, who is a librarian, uh, reminded us of this and suggested it. And it's um, it's a way to listen to audiobooks, uh, a subscription service called Libro FM, L-I-B-R-O dot F-M. And it's very similar to Audible or one of those other subscription services, except that you choose an independent bookstore and they receive a percentage of the fee. I looked on their website and I couldn't find out how much they receive, mm-hmm. but every time you purchase an audiobook, um, a portion of the payment that you make goes to that bookstore, That's which cool. is really cool. Yeah, I wonder if that is based on publishers' contracts with the authors on how much percentage. Yeah, that of could be royalties and whatnot. Yeah, or if it's a flat thing. And they have a good selection of books. They don't have everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a particular book that I've been ha- had on hold at the library for a really long time, and I thought, oh, I'll see if they have it just, you know, to do a search, and they didn't have that. But I think they have over 90,000 titles or something. So certainly a good selection, a good and it's fourteen ninety nine a month, which is, I think, comparable to Audible. I don't know about some of the other subscription services. Great. Um, so you might check it out, cool. yeah. Libro FM. Nice. Uh, well, I just had one bit of news I wanted to share. Uh, for those of you who are Zora Neale Hurston fans, there is an unpublished manuscript of hers that is going to be published soon, or maybe out right now. I'm not really sure. I didn't write down the date here, but I heard about it from the Chicago Review of Books Facebook page. They post a lot of really cool, interesting things. And so this is uh, Barracoon, the story of the last black cargo. So that is coming out soon. Zora Neale Hurston. She wrote Their Eyes Were Watching God, which is one of, probably the book she's most well-known for. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that book. That was a really good book. I enjoyed yeah. that book also. That makes me want to pick that one up again. Because totally. that was yeah. a long time ago that I read that. So what did you just read, Chris? Well, I actually DNF'd a book Ooh. that I had been looking forward to, and it was a book on my list. I discovered it through the Australian Woman Writers Challenge that I do every year. Picnic at Hanging Rock is the book, and it's by Joan Lindsay. It came out in 1967, and there was a really well-known film 
based on the book that came out in 1975. And from what I gather, a lot of people don't necessarily like the book. You know, they say the book isn't that hot, but the movie's great. Oh, and this is coming from readers yeah. who are saying this kind of thing. And, and people who've loved the book have also said, you know, I love the book, but I read it around the same time the movie came out or the same time I watched the movie. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to watch the movie. I watched the YouTube trailer, mm -hmm. and, and it drew me in right away. Oh, the characters and the landscape, you know, seeing the Australian landscape. Because the book is set in Australia at Hanging Rock. And I think it was just the prose that was jarring me. Um, I like the story idea. It's about a girl's school in, the, you know, kind of the outback of Australia. Really kind of in the middle of nowhere in some ways. And the woman who's the headmistress is a bit on the shady side. But the school is profitable. And there are some really wealthy people who send their daughters to board at the school and it's valentine's day 1900 and they're going out on a little picnic to hanging rock hence the title they go out to this picnic and i love the way she describes just the the time period you know the horses the gloves the things the women have to wear the styles the women wear i should say um, and, and during the course of this picnic, three of the girls go missing and one of the teachers. Ooh. And the mystery then draws in two young men who were in the area when the girls disappeared. One of the men is a really wealthy heiress. Heiress? Heir. Yeah, he's yeah. a man. Heir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's in from England visiting with his aunt and uncle who are in Australia and then the other guy is their, you know, servant, their, their horseman. So they're very different men. One is really refined and British, and the other one is really rough and tumble and Australian. He was an orphan and all this stuff. So they form this really interesting friendship and start investigating things, too. And then there's a police officer or detective who's investigating. But the, the writing was just killing me. Like, mm. I kind of, I wanted to pick it up because I'm liking the story, but the writing was, I felt, really uneven and just jarring. It just really lacked rhythm. Hmm. So when I'd be sitting there reading it, I would just be thinking, Ugh, I just want to read something else. <laughs> also, I should note, I did pick this up after The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Um, I picked it up a couple days after because that book wiped me out. Yeah. Like, I couldn't read for a couple days after that because I was digesting that book. Yeah. Because it really, I mean, I don't really remember a book that made me feel so much in quite a long time. Such, you know, diversity of thoughts right. and feelings. So it could just be, you know, one of those where you read it at the wrong time sort of thing. But you exactly. said that you've read that other people had the same feeling about it. Right, so exactly. So it makes you wonder if the, the screenplay for the movie was written by somebody else and that the story that she wrote was compelling but just not well written. It could right? be, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think yeah. that's one, I was looking at some of the reviews on Goodreads and that's what one of the women, one of the reviewers wrote, said that, you know, it's kind of the... <laughs> The secret is that the book is not that hot. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's only 196 pages. And I read like 100 pages. Wow. Before I decided, okay, enough. You like, were committed. Yeah. But I'm yeah. keeping the book because I think once I watch the movie, I might be drawn back to the book. 
I doubt it because you'll know the story, but who knows? Right. Yeah, you never know. So that you'll was... know who did it unless they <laughs> maybe they change it in the movie. Who done it? You know? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think they don't really know. Oh, I, it's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I read up to the point. Well, you know what? I won't give any more spoilers. Yeah. So anyway, that's Picnic at Hanging Rock by Joan Lindsay. Excellent. Well, I read The Rules of Magic by Alice Hoffman, which is a prequel prequel to the. Prequel? Prequel. <laughs> We're both sick, so we're going to blame all our mispronunciations on that. Yeah. Cold medicine. Um, to her book, Practical Magic, which was also made into a movie, which was published many, many years ago. And um, the main characters are a set of siblings, Vincent, Franny, and Jet. And the characters, Franny and Jet, are actually were the elderly aunts in the book, Practical Magic. So she kind of who didn't weren't really huge characters in the book, which is kind of funny. So she kind of is going back in time, obviously, to when these they were all young. Well, not obviously. That is what the book's about. And, you know, for anyone who's read Alice Hoffman, this is good old school Alice Hoffman. Lots of um, magical realism, and um, she uses the plant kingdom a lot in her writing, which I really love. Mm-hmm. And so they're making potions and not potions like over, over a cauldron, but, you know, they make soaps and different remedies for, cool. you know, love and things like that. And I mean, it really follows them as f- from their young childhood through their young adulthood. And one of the um, rules of their life kind of is that they can't fall in love because bad things happen to those they fall in love with. Mm. So it's kind of a story about love and how they navigate that because we all need some love in our life. And, of course, they have love for each other and their family and things like that. And there's some other characters that come in that are really cool, a cousin, and there's a complicated relationship with this cousin. And then there's a... Vincent, the brother, has a very um, kind of convoluted life based on lifestyle choice and I won't I don't want to give any spoilers away but I feel like Alice Hoffman handled that really beautifully and her writing there's just something very elegant about her writing and believable you know because you know you're reading about magic and witches and I heard an interview with her and she was talking about how she really loves nursery rhymes and that that's where a lot of you know her belief in witches and things like that and then also the the history of witches a lot of it and a lot of the persecution of witches had to do with women who were strong and independent right yeah and that just frightens people right and that you know it's kind of ironic that this book is coming out today in a time when there's a lot happening you know with the me too movement and things like that about women and the strength of character of women and um fear that certain populations have about strong, independent women. Mm-hmm. So so I really enjoyed it. It was a fast read for me. It was it was kind of like it's kind of like going on vacation for me when That's I read cool. an Alice Hoffman That's book. Nice. So. so would you recommend new readers, because I haven't read mm-hmm. either book, which would you recommend people read first then? The prequel that you just read or the original book, which is now the yeah. sequel. <laughs> I think I think they're standalones. Okay. I think it's fine. I do think if you want an introduction to classic Alice Hoffman, either of those books are good choices. Okay. Um, so I, I, I don't 
think. I mean, it did make me want to read Practical Magic again mm-hmm. after I finished it. And I had contemplated reading it first because okay. I, I was afraid that I wouldn't remember all the characters, but that's really not important okay. to the story. So, yeah. And then there's the movie Practical Magic, which I can't remember if I've seen, but now I'm thinking I might. You know, on a wintry day coming up, I might treat myself to watching it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've seen that. Yeah. Sounds familiar anyway. Yeah. 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 So, cool. I highly recommend it. The Rules of Magic, Alice Hoffman. Cool. Well, I also read another short book, and this was the perfect book to read after the, you know, experience that was The Heart of the Lonely <laughs> Hunter. Um, it's Two Old Women, an Alaska legend of betrayal, courage, and survival. It's written by Velma Wallace. And so Wallace is of the Athabascan Indian tribe in the Yukon River Valley up in Alaska. They're between the, the two mountain ranges. The I love this. It has a little map. Oh, nice. I love so um, it, they're traditionally between the Brooks Range and the Alaska Range along the Yukon Rivers where um, the ancestors' territory was. And this is an old story, an old Native story, that was passed down to her by her mother. And her mom didn't share it with her until she was, I think, maybe in her 20s or so. Her mom was in her early 50s. She considers that old age. I'm like, oh, okay. It's all relative. Yeah, I I mean, this book did come out. When did this come out? In 1993. So I'm sure Velma's attitude towards what constitutes old age has probably changed. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a story about... Two old women, one is in her 70s, the other is 80, I believe, who are not, uh, so they're in their tribe, it's winter time, they're hitting hard times, and they need to move along to keep looking for meat. Um, So they're going to some of their other campsites to find food, and these two old women are kind of complainers. They, They have walking sticks that they lean on, they talk about their aches and their pains, which is not something elders traditionally do. They, the young people take care of them. They make sure their fire stays stoked all night. They bring them food. So they're complaining, they're walking along, and everyone's taking care of them. So the chief makes the hard decision to cast them off. Mm. When they're breaking camp, he says, I have an announcement to make. We're leaving you behind because we have to look out for the, the, the main tribe. So they're left, and they're in shock. They're totally in shock. I mean, who wouldn't be, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so it's the story of them kind of getting it together. Because they have to. They have to. They have, yeah. I mean, they could just lay there and die, mm-hmm. which has happened. And there's, they, they mention traditions or stories of other people who this has happened to, old people who are just left to die. Um, one of them tells a story that she remembers of, I think it was her dad who went back to kill his grandmother to put her out of her misery so she didn't suffer. Mm. So, but anyway, it's a story of these two old women who, you know, spoiler, they make it, you know, they kind of thrive and the tribe comes back to them Mm. and finds them. They've moved along and these two old women then end up feeding the tribe. So it's a real uh, kind of, one of those lessons where the two old women, as they say, here, I, I marked a bunch of passages, but um, so this is one of the women saying to another one, we have learned much during our long lives. 
Yet there we were in our old age, thinking we had done our share in life. So we stopped, just like that. No more working like we used to, even though our bodies are still healthy enough to do a little more than we expect of ourselves. Mm. So they're obviously learning. Right. In the end, the tribe learns. And it's one of those things, it's, um, it's a good point about respect. You know, respect is never just given, it's earned. Right. And just because you're an old person doesn't mean you have automatic respect. You know, the lesson is kind of stepping up and still doing your part and also sharing your knowledge because they're able to survive because they're implementing so much of the knowledge that they had that they kind of forgot they had and mm -hmm. practical skills they hadn't been using. Right. And there's this lovely scene where I think it's like the second day of their journey, they really pushed it. And they wake up the next morning and they can't move. They're so sore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're just, there's really, you know, real human detail like that in the book. It doesn't read, it reads more like a straightforward short story than a myth. Although well, I was going to ask, is it like, I mean, it almost, so is it told like a nonfiction or a memoir? It's, or told, a, like a, it's told like a fiction story. It's so told, it's like a moralistic yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't seem too preachy. Yeah. It's there, you know. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem too preachy. It's a short story. It is hundred and twenty three pages. And it has original drawings. Oh, cool. Um, in here as well. It has a beautiful cover. Yeah. I love this cover. is a the twentieth anniversary anniversary edition. I really enjoyed it. And it was a beautiful story that seemed realistic, yet very hopeful. And again, a good balm, as I yes. wrote, <laughs> after The Heart is Lonely Hunter. So that's Two Old Women by Velma Wallace. And she does have two other books, Bird Girl. Oh, maybe this is one book, actually. Bird Girl and The Man Who Followed the Sun. Well, I read Cove by Yay. Simon Jones, which we've already talked about on the podcast because Chris read it, um, but she left it with me. And I woke up one morning and I, I wake up really early. Um, and I think I've talked about that numerous times on the podcast, but this time of year, I treat myself to staying in bed because it's so freaking cold outside and I have a wood burning stove right by my bed. So I get a lot of reading done first thing in the morning and I just gulped this book down in one sitting. Yeah. It's, it's a short little beautiful book. And um, just to remind you, it's about um, a man who goes out in his kayak and gets struck by lightning and loses his battle. So yeah. it's not a very good um, omen for him. But one of the things, and I can't remember if you talked about this, that surprised me about the book is it's written very poetically. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder, I, I think I read about him and I think he might be a poet as well, but I just loved that. It was very short sentence structure and just really beautifully written. And there was also a part of the book where his wife, who's pregnant... It knows that he's out to sea, and it's not a good time for him to be out there. Oh, I don't think I thought she didn't know. Yeah, he didn't tell anybody. I thought. No, I think she's waiting on the beach for him. That was my understanding. Maybe I misinterpreted. See, yeah, that. I thought that he didn't tell anyone he was going. I thought it was a spur of the moment decision to go, and that he was worried that she would feel like he abandoned her in her pregnancy, oh. and that was one of his. You know, one of the things that propelled him because he, Wanted I think he back. he was okay with dying maybe, but he didn't want her to feel abandoned yeah. or to miss out on having a child. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. 
Maybe huh. it's just two different interpretations. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought they were out at the beach and he went off to paddle. Maybe I just made that assumption. Yeah, maybe. I, maybe maybe I missed everything. Yeah. I need to do a reread. We both need to reread. <laughs> maybe we'll do a live reading. <laughs> it was it was a hard one to read because I'm sitting looking at the water that I paddle all the time, you know, and there's a scene where there's a banner floating in the water and he grabs it at one point and uses it kind of as a sail to try to get home. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, it's so stressful. Yeah. Well, I know they have clips that you can get to clip onto your kayak to hold an extra paddle. Yeah. And I think yeah. I'm going to get yeah. one of those. <laughs> Chris, next time Chris and I go paddling, we're, why are you guys bringing 10 paddles along? <laughs> well, and I think the thing is, it's like, it, it is a, I don't know if it was a freak storm that just came up really right. quickly. Because I think most paddlers know, like, you don't go out paddling during a thunderstorm. Yeah, but, you know, there's also, the longer I've lived here, the less I pay attention to the weather when I go out. I mean, I look up at the sky, and then I go out, and, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you're way out in the water, and you turn your head, and it's like, oh, my God, look at that black cloud back there. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and, you know, I actually, I had dinner with friends last night that are paddlers, and they were telling me about that they got caught out, and it was the wind. There was no storm. Mm -hmm. There was just wind. And that's what happens here, is the wind can change on you, and it can be so difficult to get home. Yeah. And you just get tired, too. And that's when um, <laughs> this guy I was having dinner with, he was like, well, why would your kayak ever tip? And I said, <laughs> I just started laughing, and I said, I mean, I know, I, know, I know what he means by asking that question. Like, mm -hmm. you think, well, I'm just paddling along, and, you know, the sound's not the open ocean. It's not really super wavy most of the time, unless there's a storm. And I said the most typical reason people flip, other than a storm and waves or something like that, is that you get tired and you go to paddle and you catch the water at a weird angle exactly. with your paddle and yeah. then you just flip over. Right. And he just looked at me kind of cross-eyed like, oh, and I said, you know, that's why it is really important to practice getting back into your boat. Absolutely. And yeah. it's why, frankly, I feel much safer on my paddle board. Because it's basically one big flotation device. Yeah. You could just lay there on it yeah. if you get exhausted. and. Yeah. I mean, you know, it it's inflatable. And if a shark came along, I might not last very long. <laughs> but I choose not to think about that. Yeah. You know. and um, But anyway, so this book really challenged my thinking around, you know, safety. And, you know, the water and the wind always win. Yeah. That much I do know. Absolutely. And, yeah. Um, and even, you know, I was out one day this fall and the wind really started picking up and I was over by the Thimble Islands, which mm -hmm. is, you know, really protected area yeah. and the waves were starting to cap yeah. just in that little harbor area. Yeah. And I was like, okay, time to go in. Yeah. You know, Knowing your limits is yeah, important. It too. is. Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, Laura and I were just talking the other night cause she grew up on the ocean and knows the dangers and yeah. is very well aware of that. And you think a book like the, the perfect storm, yeah. which was such a, a great classic now. You know, but you hear about people in any kind of sport, you know, mountain climbing, any kind of outdoor sport anyway. Mm -hmm. They're experts. They're professionals who've been doing, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, and people still die yeah. doing these things because yeah. freak things happen. You kind of forget, yeah. you know, you like you're saying, like you don't yeah. think about the weather as much yeah. anymore when you've been doing it for so long. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you just get a little lazy and yeah. complacent or a freak yeah. wave comes and yeah. takes you down, you know. Or you just don't recognize your limits on a particular day and go out farther than you should, mm -hmm. you know, because it's beautiful and, and all the conditions are perfect. Yeah. 
And then, you know, an hour and a half in, you're like, oh, my arms are tired, or I didn't bring a snack, or I forgot water. You know, it doesn't take much. Yeah. Yeah, right. Or, you know, like you said, add one more thing. You know, the the tide changes, the wind picks up, and you're hungry. Yeah. 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 So I really liked it, but there was a part of me, like, each page turned like, why are you reading this? Why are you reading this? (laughs) Thanks, Chris. (laughs) And and I love his writing, and he has other books out, so I'd really like to check him out. Again, it's Cove by Simon Jones. Yeah. Well, look at how much you and I have gotten out of this one short book. Yes. So maybe he's saving a lot of kayakers' lives. That's right. Yeah, no joke. (laughs) And I'm even talking last night. This is why people flip, you know, you get struck by lightning. So, although he's in, to his defense, he stayed in his kayak the whole time. He doesn't fall out, right? Oh no, he does. does. (laughs) Like he wakes up. Do we read the same book? He wakes up floating in the water. Oh, that's right. That's right. He's tethered tethered to his kayak. So he had that tether, but he didn't have his paddle tether. His paddle tether. That's right. No, you're right. That's right. I remember him getting back in there. That's right. You're right. And he was in pain getting back in. Yes. Because obviously he was hit by lightning. Right. Right. Yeah. Did you read anything else? No. I read one other book. Oh my gosh. This book. It's called The Fact of a Body, A Murder and a Memoir by Alexandria Marzano Lesnovich. And I was driving down the street the other day listening to Literary Disco, which is one of my favorite literary podcasts, and they were talking about this book. Mm -hmm. They do joint reads. You know, that's what their whole podcast really is about. So they had read this book. And they were making it sound so interesting. And I happened to be on my way to the Guilford Library to pick up a book that was on hold for me. And I thought, you know, on a whim, I'm just going to see. I'm going to check the catalog and see if they have it on the shelf. Sure enough, they did. Cool. And I took it home, and I then I went to Jim's house, and he was not feeling well. So I had two days where I... Because he wasn't feeling well, I decided I would sit on the couch, too. (laughs) And I devoured this book. It is so well written. And um, she's a lawyer, and I've already professed my love for lawyers who write books. And um, she was on assignment. She was in law school, and she was interning for an organization down in Louisiana who does death, um, death row inmate work. And basically, I think, trying to get people off death row. And uh, came across this case. And one of the things I like about the book is right at the very beginning, she talks about the outcome of the case. So you're not, it's not a mystery in that you're wondering the whole book, did this guy kill this okay. person or not? It's based on a true story of a gentleman named Ricky Langley who strangled and molested a six-year-old boy. So just, you know, to tell people, and that's talked about in the first ten pages of the book. It is not an easy book to read. It is not typically in my wheelhouse. There are no cupcakes in this book, I am here to tell you. (laughs) It is not a happy book. It is very, very upsetting. And, um... But what she does very well is she weaves her personal memoir, her personal story, through this very disturbing story of a man who commits this incredible crime and is a a professed pedophile. Mm -hmm. And what she really talks about is what makes a person who they are. Mm -hmm. So as she was, 
you know, delving through boxes and boxes of material about Ricky Langley and his, you know, the um, murder trial, she starts to confront her own past. <clears throat> and she was molested by her grandfather. And so it's really a study of, you know, the impact that our upbringing has on who we become as a human being. And in Ricky Langley's case, he became a, you know, I'm going to use maybe objectionable terms, but somewhat of a sociopath. That might not be a fair statement, actually, I should say. He became a troubled pedophile. Let's say that. And his parents were in a tragic car accident where one of his siblings was killed. Actually, two of his siblings were killed, I'm sorry. And his mother was injured so severely that she was in a full body cast literally for years. But she became pregnant with him. Don't ask me how. <laughs> when she was in this full body cast... And that she was given so many drugs during the time that she was pregnant and was uh, had so many ultrasounds and x-rays that when the doctors found out she was pregnant, they said, you must terminate this pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And she chose not to terminate. And so there, you know, as you're reading this book, you come to discover that part of why he turned out the way he did was because he was he was haunted by the death of his little brother and that some of the medications his mother were given actually were known, proven to develop pedophilia in people. Get out, really? Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yeah. How? Yeah. I didn't even know that that was Me like either. a possibility. Me either. And the other tragic thing about his Ricky Langley story is he knew he had these feelings. Mm -hmm. The first time he molested another child, he was nine years old. And there are scenes in the book where she, he goes and to like try to check himself into clinics saying, I need help. Mm -hmm. And he didn't get the help he needed. No. He desperately wanted help. Yeah. So he also is, you know, is put in jail one time for molesting a child and then ends up living with this couple who has young children Yikes. who knew about this. But he makes a commitment to himself not to molest their children, but who he, he ends up murdering is a friend of these, this couple's children. It is one of the most disturbing books I've ever read, because not only does he molest and murder this child, but he puts the child in his closet. And then he helps. He's there helping as they search for this missing boy. And the child is in his closet. God, Emily, when you choose to read <laughs> a non-cupcake book, you really, you really go for it. I go for it. it. Well, I mean, her writing is so fucking amazing. I mean, as Ryder Strong says, who's one of the literary disco hosts, he said, I didn't have really have time to start the book, but I wanted to just, you know, get a feel for it. So I read the first two pages, and right away I knew I was in the hands of a fantastic writer. Yeah. And it's true. And then her story is so tragic because her grandfather molests her and her sisters, and it goes on and on, and she finally confesses this to her parents, and nothing changes. And that's, to me, that's what one of the real themes of the book is that there are family secrets, and people keep these secrets and don't address problems in families. And yes. it has as we know, tragic results for the people in the families. Absolutely, you know? yes. So I cannot recommend this book enough. I mean, it was a page-turner. She is a fantastic writer, and um, I'm dying to see her in person, yeah. just to hear her 
speak, you know. So is that a newer book then? Yeah, or it just a... came out, I want to say in September. Okay. Is that right? I'm oh. pretty sure it was September. It was okay. 2017. But The Fact of a Body, Alexandra Marzano Lesnovich, not for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, do, I did see on Goodreads... Um, that people have listened to the audio also, and mm-hmm. she narrates, and that it's very oh, well done. Excellent. So, um, very cool. You know, if you want to be slightly disturbed for a little while, but really she, I mean, she weaves the story. And then there's also, of course, the whole piece about um, death, you know, the death penalty. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, Jim and I had a very intense conversation about it because I'm not sure how I feel about it. You know, and this book really makes you think about it because this is a man who, you know, there are a lot of circumstances as to why he ends up committing the crime that he committed mm-hmm. and is killing him the answer, yeah, you know? Right. Death penalty, I kind of feel like that no government has the right to take a life of a citizen. Yeah. It is dicey because you yeah. think, like, especially with these serial killers, mm-hmm. so the, we're going to pay for this person to live out their natural life? Right. Right. I mean, there's the fiscal question, right? Because yeah. Of the way that we choose to, you know, run our prison systems and, the, you know, just the fact that it costs money to keep someone in prison. Yeah. But then, of course, there's the moral. Right. You know, and some people think the two go together, you know, like, morally, is it right to, you know, for part of our government budget to go to, you know, keep serial killers yeah, right, in yeah. prison and, you know, cut after school programs, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it's a very, very complicated issue, which I, you know, I can't say that I have any different feeling or opinion about it after reading this book. I just, it just makes me realize that it's an even more complex issue than I thought it was before I read the book. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and what, and how lawyers, you know, how much time is spent. And, you know, he had three full, complete trials because of you know, this Mm -hmm. issue of of the death penalty and, you know, who he was and the complexity of his life and very good book. Okay. So. Wow. Yes. All right. Yeah. Emily reads a blood and guts book. <laughs> yeah. Well, you certainly pick some, some intense ones. Yes. When you do yeah. It. yeah. So what are you yeah, currently reading? Oh, I'm, you know what? I haven't gone back to Code Girls because mm. um, I just, you know, I'm in a phase where I'm not driving and mm. I, I haven't picked up the book. But I am reading, again, The Selected Letters of Willa Cather, nice. which just came out a couple years ago. And when it first came out, you know, I, I have the hardcover and I did a lot of reading around in it. And now I wanted to systematically read mm. from beginning to end, but it's a big hardcover. And I know it's out in paperback now. And I actually had the advanced reader copy in paperback. But it's still big, yeah. you know? So I was like, duh, download the ebook. Yeah. So now that's my nighttime routine. At night, I read a couple letters on my nice. e-reader and then go to bed. So it's nice because I have a backlit one, so I don't. Yeah. the lights aren't on. It's still kind of tells me it's time to sleep. Right. Um, so that's been really cool. So um, the selected letters of Willa Cather. Nice. Oh. I'm, well, when I went to the library, I also was on a hunt for Alice McDermott books because when we were on our Goodreads um, group, several of the people who did the Carson McCuller read-along mentioned Alice McDermott's The Ninth Hour. Yes. Which yeah. is out. It's her new book out this year. 
and it's getting incredible raves. And I was taking a walk with our mutual friend Emily, and I was talking about Alice McDermott, and she said, oh, my God, she's an amazing writer. Mm -hmm. And she's just not on my radar at all. So I thought, well, I'll just go to the stacks and see what they have. And so I started reading her book, Someone, which, um, you know, I feel totally late to the party on Alice McDermott. She's won the National Book Award. She's been nominated for Pulitzers and, you know, all sorts of things. And she has eight books out. And the one that won the National Book Award is Charming Billy. Wow. So I don't think I've read anything by her either. So now she's on my radar and I'm reading Someone and really enjoying it. So do you have, I'm also reading another, are you? No, I'm okay. not. Go for it. So the book that I've had on request at the library I've been waiting for finally came in, and I'm reading it um, slowly. It's a book of short stories, and it's called What It Means When a Man Falls from the Sky by Leslie Nika Arama. And the first, I've only read the first story. It's on my nightstand, and I'm doing the same thing as you're doing with the Willa Cather letters, just reading one story a night. And the first story just knocked me off my feet. She's a great writer. And all of the, I believe all of the stories are um, based in Nigeria, either take place in Nigeria or have, you know, some sort of Nigerian influence. So, what it means when a man falls from the sky, Leslie Anika Arama. So what kind of biblio adventures have you had? Not I mean, many. I since you've been sick. And <laughs> no. no. Um, I, I, I have two library adventures. I mean, I just talked about going to the Guilford Library, mm-hmm. and that was the first time I can remember that I've actually just wandered the stacks in the library. I love doing that. Yeah. And it was usually nowadays I find myself running in, grabbing something off the hold shelf, Maybe, you know, our library in Guilford is set up where the seven-day reads are right down by the cash, not cash register, well, circulation, yeah. circulation. <laughs> um, and so I'll, you know, peruse those quickly and maybe, you know, cat, go through the new fiction section. But this was the first time in a long time I just wandered the stacks, cool. which That's was fun. so nice. Yeah. And then I was um, in uh, Glastonbury with Jim and we went to the Glastonbury library, which is beautiful. I've talked about it before. But he was checking books out, and um, we had wandered the stacks there, too, which was so fun. They have a great fiction section and new fiction section. And when we were checking out, he had called, because I'm going to admit to a little um, deviance here. I tried, when last time I was at the West Hartford Library, to see if I could get a library card from them using his address. And they told me I needed to show proof of address, which I don't have, because I don't live at his house. Wah, wah. Trying to so, work, the system, work in the system. So I told him, and he, bless his heart, he calls me later. He said, Well, I called the library, which I couldn't believe. And he said, They told me that you can use your Guilford Library card, use it with reciprocity. Mm-hmm. They will let you check out, which I had no idea. Oh, yeah, any library, I think, in Connecticut. See, I had no that, idea. Yeah. So I, when I was in Glastonbury, I asked the woman about that because I tried to put something on hold. Mm-hmm with my library card at his library and it didn't work. And she said, no, we just need to get you in the system Mm -hmm. and then it'll work. So I only had my little key fob because that's what I carry around. And she said, well, I need to know your expiration date on your card. And I said, I don't have that. She said, well, hold on, let me call the Guilford library. So she calls and, you know, gets me into the system and I felt like I had won the lottery. That's cool. So now I can check out books anywhere. Now I will say I tried to go on Overdrive Media and add the libraries and that didn't work. 
for my audiobooks. Okay. So I need to figure out what that is. But I yeah. could put a book on hold for pickup at, you know, any yeah, library. Any library. Yeah. So. Good. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, I don't remember now if it's, I mean, some libraries, and I could be mistaking, this could be an Illinois thing. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, they may not loan certain types of items or they might not do oh, seven-day okay. items or that kind yeah. of thing. So maybe I can't do ebooks with Who them. knows? Yeah. Might, yeah. But I don't see, yeah, who knows? Well, next time at one of the libraries, I'll just ask them. Yeah. But I could definitely put a, you know, just a regular hardcover book on hold. So Yeah, that's exciting. It's so exciting. Yeah. I feel like I just want to drive around Connecticut checking books out. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should do that one day. Yeah. I think we should do a big tour and see how many libraries we can hit or... You know, because I love, obviously we both love yeah. going to libraries, but it'd be kind of fun to stake out yeah. a couple different ones. and Yeah. I know when we were driving up to Vermont, there are certain libraries I've gone up now so many times that I keep passing, and they're beautiful, and... Jim was driving when we went last time, and usually I'm driving, you know, and so I was like, oh my god, that library is so beautiful, <laughs> he turned to me, and he said, you have a little bit of a library fetish, don't you, and I said, I have a huge library yeah. fetish, I mean, I could stop at every library that I see, I have to just yeah. kind of control myself, <laughs> but it was really fun to just kind of spend time wandering to libraries in the mm -hmm. last couple of weeks, because I just don't give myself time to do that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. well, it's certainly been a busy... You know, we keep saying that, but yeah. busy the whole summer and yeah. spring and fall. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> busy life. Right. What about you? Did you have any? You know what? I haven't uh, gone to any author events or anything, but I did. I have a new library adventure in my life. Um, the Institute Library, which is in New Haven. It's one of the last um, subscription libraries in the country. I've been a member there for the last year and I decided to start volunteering recently. So, so cool. Yeah. So, um, I'm really enjoying that. It's a, an, an interesting time to be there because I guess there's a new president coming in and some new board members and things like that. So I'm looking forward to being there. I'm going once a week. For and are you, um, shelving things or what do you do? You know, I'm, I'm working the circulation desk and okay. they, they have a card catalog that works on the Borden system and Borden was a librarian who developed this system. And I think now the Institute library is the only library that still uses this oh, wow. organizational system. A library in India used to use it as well, where he had lived for a while. So they actually have a card catalog. And, and the card catalog is fascinating. The handwriting that goes back, because this library was founded in 1826. Wow. It goes back. And the card catalog, the handwriting, you could see beautiful cursive and printing, mm. and it's just gorgeous to see that. And then, you know, some not so great. <laughs> but that's a beautiful thing. So, um, but they are... Digitiz not digitizing, what would be the right word? They are getting their cat their holdings online via library thing. Mm. So um, I enter books on library cool. thing. I check books that have been recently entered to, you know, make sure they're in there correctly and because uh, they use the Borden mm -hmm. call letters. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I'm also running their Twitter account. Cool. So find us on Twitter. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then, you know, I'll, who knows? Who knows what I'll, I'll be doing anything and everything that yeah. they need. They have cool events there, really yes. unusual events. So that'll be yeah. fun for you to tweet about, I yeah. think. Yeah, they do. They have a regular poetry event, a regular storytelling event, a monthly, I should say, instead of regularly. Um, and then, you know, special events. They have a big art room where they have art exhibits, 
and they also have a music room where you can listen to records. Oh, cool. Which is kind of cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the current building that they're in, they've been in since like 18, the 1870s or the 1880s. They've been in a couple different locations around New Haven. Yeah, it's, so. a, it's a really cool place. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. That is my biblio adventure. What about <laughs> upcoming adventures? Do you have any? You know, I have one. Um, it's in early January. It's January 9th. It's at the R.J. Julian Madison. Uh, the Saboteur is the book by Paul Kicks. K-I-X is his Ooh. name. Um, the Saboteur, it's a, it's a biography about this man. He was a, an aristocrat, uh, Robert de la Rochefoucauld. I hadn't heard of him. Um, but he, he was an aristocrat who became part of the resistance movement, the French resistance during World War II against the Nazis. Ooh. And he excelled at <laughs> saboteur tasks. Oh, so, cool. I, yeah, I haven't read the book, but, it, I mean, it looks really interesting. Uh, from the blurbs that I've seen, it's uh, like a page-turner. It reads like a real thriller. Yeah. Uh, but it is a biography. So I do want to go that. I want to put that on my calendar. That's January 9th, 7 p.m., R.J. Julia. Cool. I'm thinking of going to Savoy Bookshop. On New Year's Day, they have a 25% off everything sale. Oh, cool. That's in Westerly, Rhode Island, so we'll see. Nice. I think that could be a fun way to start the new year. Yeah, definitely. Fun slash dangerous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get to this event. I need to talk to Aunt Ellen about it, actually. On January 6th at the 92nd Street Y, Kelly Corrigan is going to be there talking about her new book, Tell Me More. Oh, cool. And I love her. I think she's yeah. hilarious and just... Um, Really, I enjoy reading her books. I've enjoyed every one of them. So, and I think she's in conversation with Ariel Levy, who's another author. So, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it. It's a Monday, and I'm already Mm -hmm. going to be in the city on Saturday. So, I'm not sure if I'm going to stay through or. It is my birthday week, so maybe I should just say I'm going to do whatever I want. Birthday girl. (laughs) So, So what's your sign? I'm a Capricorn girl. I work. That's what we do. We work. (laughs) We also get younger as we get older, so look out. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) So have you got any upcoming reads? You know, I'm going to start The Immortalist. Oh, good. By Chloe Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to be starting that one, you know, probably tonight or tomorrow. She's got a major book tour coming up, and she's going to be at a store in Boston that it could be fun for us to go to, because I think Michael might be there. Oh, fun. Yeah. All right. We could check yeah, that out. Yeah, I'll totally check out her schedule. Okay, yeah. yeah. I would love to see her. Yeah, I mean, this book is getting so much buzz. Yeah. For a long time yeah. already. I mean, Michael told, told us about it, like, what, back in, like... Was that February? February or yeah. something. Yeah, when yeah. we were up in Providence. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good one. You know, I've been thinking a lot. We talked about this last year that I really try to think about the book I end the year with and the book I start the year with. Yes. So I think my upcoming read, and usually it's a listen, I love listening to this book, it's called Getting Unstuck by Pema Chodron, and it's one I like to listen to every year, Mm because it kind of talks about habits and um, addictions and things like that, and um, I love her, I love her voice, I love her wisdom, Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I'm going to, I can't decide if I want to end the year with it or start the year with it, but it's definitely going to be upcoming. Very cool. Yeah, Yeah. I've been thinking about the book I'm going to start the year with because at first I was thinking like maybe I'm gonna like be really radical this year and like 
start a big book like Middle March or something mm. and read it over. Yeah. yeah but yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are on our first episode of the year, everybody. We're going to be talking about our reading goals. Yeah. So we've got a couple weeks to, to, to make some. <laughs> But we are going to end the year. This is our last episode of the year of 2017. We're going to end with our top reads of the year. Yes. Which Chris just hit me with this morning, which is good because I would have obsessed about it had she not. (laughs) And we're we're texting back and forth. Should we do three? Should we do five? Should we do ten? And I was like, let's meet in the middle. Let's do five. five. Yeah. So you get to start. And I cheated. I'm going to say right from the start, you guys know how much I like to be, um, you know, pinned down to favorites. So um, I went to my reading challenge on Goodreads Mm -hmm. to see all the books that I had read. And I've read 71 to date. Cool. I love, by the way, if you keep a reading challenge on um, Goodreads, it's really cool because when you go to look at it, it's just all the covers of the books. And it's beautiful and I wish I could make a poster out of it and hang it in my office oh that's a neat idea wouldn't that be fun for like each of your reading years because the covers just in a you know big group like that are just so beautiful yeah but um I I also wanted to reflect before I get started on the whole star rating thing because at first I thought well look at your five star ratings and you know choose from those and what I found really interesting, first of all, is a lot of books I didn't put a star rating on because it stresses me out. Yes. <laughs> and then also, it's like, it's not necessarily your five stars that are ones that stick with you when you're reflecting on your reading for the year. And to me, my favorite books kind of end up being the ones that I've kept thinking about, or there's mm-hmm. something about them that really struck a chord in me, but it wasn't necessarily like the best book I read all year, yeah. whatever that means, you know. I know. Well, and best is so subjective right. anyway but yeah. yeah you know I'm actually thinking about not doing any star ratings in yeah. the new year like I actually recently deleted all of my bookshelves off of Goodreads Ooh. Goodreads um which is kind of like why did I do that but I did it <laughs> I was Too having one of those now. I'm cleaning house moments right. you know because I'm thinking like oh my god these don't make any sense and some of mm. them I haven't kept up on yeah. so I got rid of it and I think I might not do the stars because they they don't make sense to yeah. me. Like, even when I go back and I look at yeah. it, I think it's, and it just gives such a irresponsible message to other readers mm. when it's just a star reading. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a mixed bag. Like, if, if one of my friends whose reading tastes I admire and, I, you know, we have similar reading tastes gives something one star, it's like, hmm, you know, maybe that will move down on my TBR. You yeah. know, if they give it five, then I feel differently. But I know what you mean. It's mm-hmm. like their three-star rating might be my five-star rating. So yeah. it's just, it is very subjective. It is. And it stresses me out. But I also think it does, it is kind of nice to indicate whether you liked a book or not. But I know, but even like, means, you know, like the whole, that's like grade inflation. Like when I used to teach, a C meant average. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people freak out about Cs. You know, right. everybody wants As and Bs. And, you know, the reports about books say four and five stars. Like if your book gets a three-star... It's not a good thing. Whereas to me, a three star is a really good, solid book. Exactly. And yeah. then, so I was trying to do that for a while. Yeah. Trying to, and then, but I, I forget my own standards. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, well, right. anyway, so it wasn't based necessarily on five stars. And okay. then, you know, as soon as I started to try to pick five, I couldn't. Yeah. So I thought, how can I cheat the system? <laughs> <laughs> so. 
So I decided I was going to have my top nonfiction read, oh, <laughs> which is that was the B Corp Handbook by Ryan Honeyman, which I read for school. Yeah, I remember but that. But really yeah. loved it, and really um, it made me think about my buying choices if I can. Find something like Patagonia Company, for example, as a B Corp. Mm-hmm. Um, Dansko Shoe Company is a B Corp. I really try to support them if I can. Yeah. Ben and Jerry's, you know, we all need to support them. Eat as much ice cream as you can. <laughs> They're a B Corp. So that was my top nonfiction read of the year. Very cool. And then, do you want me to just go through all mine, or do we want to go back and forth? Gosh. Why don't you just do yours? Go for what it. What do you think? Sure. We okay. can't ask the listeners. They're, they're stuck with whatever <laughs> okay. we decide. I'll just go. And then I had to do my favorite memoirs. Okay. <laughs> so are you seeing the trend? I am. I did headers. Um, and I came up with three. Hunger by Roxanne Gay. <laughs> it's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too by Nora McInerney Permart. And The Fact of a Body, the one I just talked about on this podcast by mm-hmm. Alexandria marzano Lesnovich. And then my favorite fiction, this was hard. Yeah, it was hard it was to hard. pick a favorite fiction. And I picked three. <laughs> <laughs> the Mothers by Britt Bennett, which is an, was an I early remember you in talking the year read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And News of the World by Paulette Giles, which surprised me that that one really rose to the top. Mm-hmm. I have thought about that book so many times. And then Plain Song by Kent Harrow. Okay, yeah. 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 Nice. So how many books does that end up being? That ended up being seven. So it's not, right. not too not bad good. of a cheat. Yeah. All right. Well, mine, I actually, I wrote a blog post about my, well, it was a gift recommendation type blog post, but it was my favorite reads of the year, and including Laura's book, Mastering the Art of Self-Expression. Yeah. Which, you know, good. I wrote that because like a lot of people have asked me like, how do you do everything that you do? You know, because... People think I do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, you know, from living with Laura for 17 years and her philosophies as she's, you know, I mean, she used to teach and she's a choreographer and a dancer. So she's, you know, really thinking about systems and, and working things um, that work for you. Yeah. So, I mean, her book has a lot of exercises to help people get to that. So I listed her book as as a gift idea. Yeah. It's also, too, now there are, there are copies at the Savoy and Bank Square books, as well as Breakwater books here in Guilford and the Book Club bookstore and more and right. online. So anyway, so that is my one of my top books. I'm a little prejudiced because it's my wife and I helped. So yeah. there we go. Now, uh, you know, the other thing I'm going to put a little <laughs> plug in because you probably wouldn't feel comfortable doing this, but I love getting her emails. Do you? Cool. I love it. That's and great. I love the videos. If you If you follow her on Facebook... Is it her? It's, it's, you follow the business, well, right? Well, yeah, the business page on Facebook is Road to Success with Laura Toma. Right. And she does these videos that are so inspiring. Oh. I love I love it. Yeah. I do. And I'm not just saying that because she's your <laughs> wife. I mean, it's it, they're a really nice shot in the arm. She has a very good energy, you yeah. know, and just makes you feel like... I can do it. You know? Yeah, totally. So, yeah, those yeah. are her monthly quick tips. Yeah. She does two quick tip videos each month. One that she, we put on social media, and the other one is a subscriber exclusive that only goes out to the newsletter people. And okay. If you want to sign up for that, you could just go to lauratoma.com, and there's a pop-up that happens, or you can go to the newsletter thing to sign up. And we could put that in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, I'll put it so, in the show notes, yeah. for sure. Yeah, but thanks for that. She, yeah. she enjoys doing those. They're just like usually like a minute or two long, yeah. quick tip yeah. type thing. Um, okay, so what I had done on that blog post, too, is I had my top three mysteries, 
general fiction and then non-fiction. Oh, and then so I had a couple fun. that were I called young adult-ish. Oh, um, and I could say my top one from that category was queer there and everywhere. 23 People Who Changed the World, and that was by Sarah Prager, mm-hmm. which I've talked about a couple times yeah. on the podcast. Um, my favorite mysteries. That was a tough one. It was a good mystery reading year. Um, can I say all three of them? Sure. I cheated. <laughs> no rules. So I have The Dry by Jane Harper. I thought that'd be it. Which yeah. was really, as I say, a crackling good, wink, wink, um, <laughs> mystery from Australia. And Fire Came Down by Emma Visick, which is another Australian right. uh, mystery writer. And then New Haven Noir. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the uh, collection from Akashic Books, yeah. uh, edited by Amy Bloom, who is a local to us writer. I, and, you know, I'm not a big anthology reader or necessarily a big short story reader, but those stories, some of them have really stuck with me, mm. and I still think about them. And when yeah. I'm walking around New Haven, yeah. I think about them. I was thinking, like, maybe I could even do a little walking tour for myself based on those stories to that would you know, be cool. visit different neighborhoods. I'd go with you if we get to okay. eat along the way. Totally. Definitely. <laughs> I finally went to Peppy's Pizza. Yes, that's yeah. right. And it was yeah. good. good. I went with one of my friends who's now a, a fellow nutmegger, but originally from Chicago. So we had our Chicago Pizza Attitudes sharpened as we dined on New Haven's finest pizza and we gave it a thumbs up for sure. Right on. Yeah. So all right, general fiction, my favorite I have to say was Pachinko. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it made me I mean, I love the characters, but I also love the sense of history it gave me about a period of time in an area of the world that I did not know things that happened. So I love that. Yeah. 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 And I never realized I'm such a big like historical fiction type reader. Really? You yeah. never really? Oh, I never really realized that totally it. makes sense to me. <laughs> it's bizarre, yeah. you know, because I think like in the past maybe I've picked up some books that were labeled historical fiction and like they were just um there was an incur what can't think of that word congruence incongruity incongruity between the time period and the way things were presented. Oh. You know, like, okay, women were not burning their bras in 1790, right, you know. Yeah. I mean, maybe some <laughs> of them did, but, like, you know, I like books that are, or that try to be reflective right. of the time period. Right. So, anyway, I love Pachinko. I love The Leavers by yeah. Lisa Poe. I, I included The Gypsy Moth Summer. Yeah. Um, and that was by Julia Fierro, which I really enjoyed, and that was about that summer of 1992 when the Gypsy Moths invaded parts of North America and other parts of the world, I'm sure. But I really enjoyed that book, and I've thought about it here and there, just in terms of how she wrote her characters. So you didn't get to see her, right, at an event? No, I she's didn't. Coming, she coming back? She's coming close by because of her paperback tour. Oh, good. Um, I just saw that. I'll look it up oh, and, good. and let you know. I would like to, because I know when she was, she was at R.J. Julian Madison. Yeah. But we were out of town when she was here. All right, and then my nonfiction. I have a couple other nonfictions. The Hunger was one of them. Mm. I love that. And Roxanne Gay. Roxanne Gay. I listened to that one, and yeah. I still want to read it. Yeah. Because I think it's a book that also I want to read and yeah. underline things. And I have The Going and Goodbye by Shuli Kaywood. Because um, I still think about that book as well. I do, too. And that was on my list. Sorry, Shuli. She's only one of my best <laughs> friends. <laughs> Um, it was on my list, but I had to scratch some things uh-huh. out. I know. Yeah, it's tough. And then I also, um, OSS Operation Blackmail, One Woman's Covert War Against the Imperial Japanese Army, 
That was by Ann Todd. Right. That is another one that is still yeah. sticking yeah. with me. And I, I think I'm really interested in how people construct stories these days. Like, mm-hmm. it's a really something that I find myself thinking of more and more. And which has been really interesting with reading the collected letters of Willa Cather with her talking about her writing of these different novels right. that I've already read. It's just kind of like, oh, that's really fascinating. Yeah. So, well, you've yeah. got that writer mind, too. Yeah. I mean, I thought about that a lot when I read this book, The Fact of a Body, just because it reminded me of the book What is the What by Dave Eggers. Mm-hmm. Just the way someone weaves a story. Like, mm-hmm. she did a really good job of weaving these two stories, her life and his life. And um, that's such an amazing skill to it me. It is. That's such a talent. Yeah. To do it gracefully and... Which is different than creating characters. I mean, that's the difference between... And I realized, actually, when I was looking at my 71 books, how many memoirs I read. A mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. I really enjoy them. And um, that's different, of course, than... I mean, some people think it's fiction because mm-hmm. our memories are what they are. I mean... Yeah. Look how many things I forgot about the book Cove that I just read <laughs> in the last two weeks. So, um, you know, I can't imagine writing about something that happened to you 25 years ago, yeah. you know. Right. But creating characters is completely different, you know. Yeah, creating, yeah. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of similarities, too. And I think some writers talk about that. Like, I truly mentioned that, I think, in the interview mm-hmm. that we did with her about using some of those fictional elements or fictional mm-hmm. techniques yeah. within her own memoir. Because yeah. maybe that's what the best... I shouldn't say best memoirs, but memoirs that do something like weave two storylines mm-hmm. in together. Well, that's yeah. not a memoir, though, the fact of the body, right, is it? or It's a murder and a memoir. It's yeah, a it is. Memoir, it's very yeah. much a memoir. about. Well, it's interesting because I just listened to an interview with Jennifer Egan, who has that new book out, Manhattan Beach. Mm-hmm. And I while she was one, writing yeah. it, her brother committed suicide, and her brother had um, schizophrenia. And she was saying how similar she thinks it is to be a writer creating people and character mm-hmm. and to be schizophrenic and have people talking to you in your head, you yeah. know? And I thought that was really interesting. So, How similar they are? Yeah. yeah. Not that I'm suggesting all you authors are slightly, yeah. you know, crazy or anything, but it's just, yeah. it is interesting how you have these characters in your mind that... Yeah, you but know. I think writers, this is a slippery slope kind of conversation because <laughs> I know, write, you know, characters do come to you. Yeah. And I would think like a writer has more control over that than a schizophrenic person mm-hmm. does. They're kind of invaded. Yes. One would hope. One yeah. would hope, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I want to read yeah. that. Was that an interview you heard or read? Yes. What no, I just say? heard her interviewed. Okay. I'll look it up. I can't remember. It was just on a. Oh, it was on um, Fresh Air. Oh, yeah, okay. Terry Gross. All yeah. Right. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah. So fascinating. I'm, I'm really just, I, I'm so happy to be a reader. Yeah. And I just really wonder, like, what do people do who don't read? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we can't imagine because we spend so much time of our, our, I mean, literally of our day reading. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. Oh, I it's can't. Like, well, it's like when, have you ever sat next to someone on the airplane who's just sitting there staring at the seat in front of them? And I just like, it makes me, like, I get itchy. Yeah. I can't stand it. Well, it makes me think of the movie, um, oh gosh, what is the name of that movie? The Runaway Bride with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. He's a journalist in that movie and he's walking out of his Manhattan apartment and he's trying to think of like what to write on his latest column or, and this woman gets out of a, a limousine and is walking towards her her door and he says to her 
Um, um, you know, I'm writing an article on people who've never been in limousines. Can I interview? And she's like, I'm sorry, I don't know people like that. And it's just like, we don't know people who don't Right. Really. But I've yeah. often thought, like, and that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I've in the past I've thought about volunteering for, like, a literacy organization. Yeah, me too. To learn, to help adults learn how to read. Yeah. Because I yeah. think, for one... To, to be an adult and to admit that you can't read or that you are not happy with your current reading level, yeah. I think that takes a lot of courage yeah. to do that. And I think it would be a, that would be a great way to volunteer to, to help somebody really increase their enjoyment of life and their, the possibilities for living a good life. Well said, Chris. Yeah, beautiful. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people can't read because of things like dyslexia mm-hmm. also that are undiagnosed um, or and or untreated you know yeah. and um it's it's tricky I mean some people also just don't you know they spend time doing plenty of other things that are wonderful you mm-hmm. know but to me there's something that just I learn about life through reading in yeah. a way that's really important to me mm-hmm. you know yeah. and I shouldn't have said that snide thing by the way about airplanes a lot of people can't read on oh. airplanes because they get oh, they air get sick, sick. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know some people are thinking yeah I mean you know I I try to sit and think sometimes too. I don't know, if I, but you know, airplane reading is such a joy. It's oh, such, for me, I've, it's a, I've, yeah, it's a whole category. Exactly, of excitement unto itself. You That's know? right. I've already <laughs> talked about my. Uh, if you talk to me on an airplane, stare. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so right. nice to see you. And next time we do this, it will be twenty eighteen. Yes, so. and we'll be back with some of our hopes for twenty eighteen yes. when it comes to our reading life. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, Happy holidays, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to The Book Cougars with Emily Fine and Chris Wallach. If you have questions or comments, please feel free to email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Book Cougars. Please consider leaving us a review on whatever app you use to listen to us. It can help other listeners find us. Thank you. Wow. <laughs>